Yeah, everyone's staying frosty. What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And today we are going to be checking out and talking about components as a service and some magic and some complications. <laughs> so it should be pretty cool. Uh, joining us today as panelists, we've got Austin McDaniel with us. Austin, what's going on? How's it going, everybody? I love magic, so I'm super excited for the show. Yes, well, I can't guarantee magic, but there might be some magic, so we'll see. Uh, Mike Brocky's with us. Mike, what's going on? Uh, I'm going to bring the magic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And our guest today is Aaron Frost. Aaron, what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's, it's good to have you back. I'm, uh, I finally got my Frosty show here. So you were on what, what? twice, maybe more than twice. I don't know. But I know you were on with Kenzie Dodds, and you were on with Jeff Welpley, and now it's my turn. Now I'm on the Justin show. <laughs> nice. I call it the NG Air show, but, you know. Yeah. I, I good. So. All right. So we're, we're, uh, we're talking components as a service today, right? Yeah. So um, you want, can I explain it real quick, what it is? Absolutely. Please okay. do. So components as a service, what it is, is um, a lot of us, I mean, historically in Angular, the way you get a component in your in your UI is by, you know, just adding it to your template. And whether that's a route template or a, another components template, that's how we get it in into the uh, into the UI. And that's great. I mean, that's one of the beautiful things about Angular. I mean, that's one of the things that made us all fall in love with it was just how easy it is to compose UIs and make reusable directives and stuff like that, reusable, reusable components. Um, but sometimes we build views that are super complex and, and maybe they've got collections inside of collections and, and a lot of our elements end up having things that if we put them in our UI, um, and they're, they're only going to get used, you know, 1% of the time, then we end up paying a lot of tax and performance to set those things up and tear them back down when 99% of the time they're not going to get used. So we end up with things like tooltips or popovers, you know, drop-down type things or modal windows that, that you know, they, they kind of need to be in our markup because if you click on this, I need the modal to appear, right? So you have to put the modal in the markup for the for the component, or if I if I click on this, I need this popover to appear. So you end up putting all these watchers to for these popovers, and maybe you're smart and you NGF them off, but then you have to create this whole series of of states, boolean states for if you should NGF those things on. So you end up with this whole mess of overhead. Um, that's inside of a collection of the same exact mess. And so you end up wasting a lot of resources for things that 99% of the time aren't, aren't gonna be required. Another, another thing is you look at your template for your component and the components like this much of the template and then like 80% of the, of the template is those things that aren't turning on but 1% of the time. You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Like you, you've all seen the, the, the thing I'm saying, yeah? Absolutely. Your yeah. template just gets crowded with a bunch of other ancillary things that aren't the primary function of the component. Yeah, and, and aside from, from being ancillary things, they, uh, they, they're, they're, they're rarely turned on, right? Like, 
Yeah, and and, and they end up being it ends up being a huge, you know, cluster. So the idea behind components of the service is you don't put those things in your markup anymore, but rather you call a service that will put it in and it'll put it in the DOM at that point and it, they'll get compiled when that service gets called. So if you want a popover, um, you tell the service, hey, create a popover and anchor it to this thing that just got clicked. And and then that in that way, you like let's say you've got a collection of 99 things. Instead of having 99 hidden popovers, you have zero hidden popovers until you need one, and then it will compile that one on the fly right there and then attach it to the thing that you need it to be attached to. Does that make sense? Yeah, what's uh you know, you talk about you know how we have all those, you know, we might have all those things hidden uh, the way that we do it today. What's you know, is there any performance implication of like doing these? Uh, dynamically like this. So I totally just lost you guys. Can you repeat the question? Like you all froze. So I didn't hear your question. Sorry, man. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so, you know, you talked about the performance of like creating all these hidden elements. Is there any performance penalty for automatically injecting these? Like, is Angular, you know, really good at making these inject and bind a whole component up really fast? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, because it it will work with AOT, um, and so you don't really you're not super worried about um, um, like having a slow performance or using the JIT compiler at runtime. But I mean, no matter how big your app is, to turn on a popover. That's got you know fifty DOM elements. I, I don't care how big your app is. That's a pretty fast thing to do. So even if you've got a pretty advanced modal that you need to pop up, um, those those operations get pretty quick. And it's definitely better to do it when you need it rather than trying to. So let's say it was heavy, heavy. It's still better to do it on the fly rather than um, to try and you know, NGF off a hundred of those things because it's inside of a collection. So there's really not a lot of scenarios where you it wouldn't be better to do that. Now, and, and another thing is because it all comes down to strategy, Austin, right? So maybe in some scenarios, maybe because to your point, maybe you've got a really advanced modal or something that's really advanced and you want it to pop up. So maybe you don't want to wait till that thing on a click for that one, because then maybe it takes a half a millisecond or a half a second after the click, and that's that's pretty slow, right? So maybe on some of those things, rather than um, do, like loading those in the moment, you can delay. You can do what's called delayed loading, and you can load those things um, at a delayed moment. Like so, after your view inits, then maybe do some sort of a timeout or some sort of a wait. And then init it maybe at some you know point in the future when when the the DOM slowed back down, and then that way it's ready to be immediately used. Um, and you still use you, the, you still use the component service for that too. So totally, know, yeah, totally. So you're still using it. And you're you're getting you know all the benefits of of both of those. Exactly. Yeah. Now you mentioned <laughs> AOT. So. <laughs> How does this work with AOT? You know, we know what AOT is. It's got a, you know, Angular has a magical thingy that 
traverses all your DOM and like pre-compiles it for you. If I'm kind of doing these things dynamically, right? Like it has no way to like know to jump into this spot and optimize this. So how does AOT work? So that's a good question. So you could write this, there's a couple ways you could write a service to do this. You do it one way and in Angular you can do it that same way or a different way. So the, the, the way where it gets to where you're saying where Angular doesn't know what's happening, so it's, there's no way to crawl in, I'm trying to, um, if I'm trying to compile a random DOM string, yeah, Angular can't optimize that at build time because the string coming in could be different every single time, right? If I'm trying to do random DOM strings, then yeah, Angular, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that and the um, ship, I'm going to have to ship the compiler to production, which is, we're all trying to not do that, right? Like, that's the goal. A lot of people are going to end up doing it, but ideally we don't do that. But in Angular, it's really nice because um, it's based on types. So if you if you have it, if you can pass the, 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 instead of passing the service a, a, a random DOM string, you could pass it a type, that is something Angular can optimize for and could AOT compile. So I, have, I haven't built an example where you can pass it a random DOM string. Um, I, think that, I don't think that that would be insanely hard. But the example I've built in Angular is where you pass it a component definition, and then it knows how to go and get that component's factory. And once it's got its factory, you're done, right? Because it can, it can just make it. And the only thing you really need to provide the service is the component definition, and then also the inputs or outputs, as what do you want it to anchor that thing to? Like, when it makes the tooltip or the popover, what should it anchor to? Should it just anchor to the body, or is there? A, did you have a thing in mind that it should anchor it to? Does that make sense? Yeah. So that actually brings up a good question about anchoring it to the body. In uh, I'm going to throw some curveballs at you here. Um, in Angular, there's actually no like, you know, in Angular JS, there was always like that one element that we could always rely on being in the body. In Angular there's not really that because it's kind of like, it's kind of platform. It's universal, right? Yeah. It's universal. Yeah. It's platform agnostic. So the body could be, you know, a server, it could be a phone app, it could be the web. So there's like no guaranteed position to put those elements. So how does, how does, how are you dealing with that with your service? So um, for this demo, I just, said, hey, if you didn't pass me an anchor, then I'm going to default to, I could, I could either throw an error so that dev time you immediately go, oh, I have to pass him an, an anchor. Or uh, in mine, I just said, if they don't pass me an anchor, just do window.document.body. Uh, like, just, uh, just say, hey, I'm going to bail out in this case and just put it on the body. Um, and, that, and, I, and for what you're talking about in a universal experience, that's not going to work, right? That's going to fail 10 times out of 10. But you can figure out how to provide some top-level uh, view container ref into this thing, because that's really what it needs is a view container ref. It doesn't need an HTML element ref. It needs a view container ref. So as long as you can get one of those, and, that, and a view container ref, 
that's kind of the universal um, object class for maybe a DOM element, maybe a server rendered element. Like it, it, that's kind of and that and that's what this service that I've written requires. If you're in a, if you're in an environment where server, because a lot of us work for enterprise and you're behind a paywall, and so we don't really care about server rendering because we're never we don't have to worry about SEO and optim optimizing for that stuff. And so a lot of pe a lot of people don't don't share those concerns, especially if we're migrating from Angular JS apps, which I think is a humongous percent of Angular apps. But if you were in that scenario, you definitely can build. You could just require them to pass you the view container ref, which is is pretty easy to get um, access to. So one thing that I've seen uh, the Angular Material team do is they have these like containers that you just throw in your body, and you you know throw at the root of your element, and that's like where all these elements are going to go. So they call those you have, yeah, a portal. Yeah, portals. Yeah. yeah, the portals. And so I just throw the portal, you know, in my base component, my master component, and then I can kind of ensure that, like, yeah, there's always something there to take on that element there. And so that's one way that they have kind of worked around some of this universal stuff. And you can do that with this as well. You can also, um, I'm trying to remember what this is called. Um, What's that hash thing, Justin? I know Justin will know. What's that hash thing called where you can just put a hash on your view? Template reference variable? Yeah, so your template reference variable. So you can just drop a template reference variable anywhere and get the view container ref for that, and then you can, you can pass that into the service. So you could also create your own version of um, the material portals and just use those as well. Like, it's, it's not canonized. It's not um, strict. Uh, again, and for the end of the same thing, that means it's not super mature, but it, it gives you freedom to kind of do what you need to do with it. So the and it, that, sorry, go ahead. The release, sorry, the release of uh, the latest material that has the component dev kit in it um, has some functionality in that component dev kit where they've extracted the the underlying logic of the material components and stuff like that, and it has the uh, portal support for dynamic loading of components. You there. stole my next line. Oh. <laughs> well, you were talking a lot. I had to throw something in there. Sorry. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's available now. So like a lot of that code that we looked at, uh, Aaron uh, on Cruise, they've kind of abstracted some of that to make it a little bit easier to work with, kind of a shorter line. So that's kind of cool. Good. And that kit, that CDK just dropped earlier last week. Yeah, well, I have... I'm completely ignorant to it. So any questions about that have to go to you guys. So hey, really, really quick before we dive any more into it, let's get a higher level concept really quick discussion about it. So I think it's similar to the concept that people think about like with routing, right? And router outlets and how you're kind of going, okay, I'm, I'm making this markup, I'm making this component and it's gonna have like a placeholder where I'm gonna put other components or composition of components into at some time based on some action or something like that. So what I'm really looking at here in, in, in the Angular space is I'm creating my components, I'm creating these other components that are gonna represent this modal, this tool tip, what, this overlay, whatever it's gonna be. I'm actually like constructing that component experience. And then I'm doing all the wire up and, and everything needed to basically 
put that into this container on the fly. In this case, using this component as a service as the broker to do that the same way like the router would use its logic to put it in in a router outlet sort of concept. And then yeah. you have this need to, you know, as you're building these components, think about I'm building, I want to build for AOT. So I, I need the whole system to be able to know about and, and find these component types. That's why when you talk about the ability to place this, this type, handle this type into there, um, and then also register these components as like entry components in your ng module. Now you have this ability to construct this on the fly, yet pre-compile all this stuff. And and there's there's other ways you can do it, right? Like um, so, there's like a magic method buried somewhere in is it, I don't know if it's core or where it's at, but it's git it's git module factory, or and and I think you could use something like that. To where you component factory. No, it's not that. It it allows you to pass it like a string ID, and and on your module you can just say, hey, um, here's my ID, and then you can go and say, hey, get me the factory for this ID, basically, and that might allow you to pull the components out of the factory, the to get the component factories out of that module factory, and 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 get your factories that way. So. There's there's more than one way you could do this if you sat down and banged your head against it for a while. Um, an example that I have written up that was I heavily heavily uh, for the for the implementation depended on Justin, but um, it's it's very it very much follows the way that I've done it in Angular JS as well. So so yeah. Yeah, and that's the other point here. This clip. So this thing that you have built and are working on works for Angular JS and Angular. Um, so I this this one implementation doesn't work for both, but I have this pattern in both. Yeah, does that make sense? Angular JS is completely different because you don't have component definitions in Angular JS. You you can only pass a, a service a DOM string. Like that's the only thing you have in Angular JS. There's no there's no niceties like being able to give it a component definition. So you have to give it DOM strings. So it's a completely different process at that point when you're compiling it up with, with a dollar compile service from AngularJS versus in Angular, you actually have component definitions and types that you can say, hey, make one of these types. And if you're in AOT mode, it, it should already have the factory and it can just pull it out. And if it doesn't, it can make the, it can you know go ahead and get the factory. But anyway, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of there's there's different. It, it's the same paradigm, but the implementation details are details are completely distinct. So yeah, it, I haven't made one service to do both. No. But, when you when we were looking at this on the cruise, you had this all abstracted out into a service. Is that what you've published up on GitHub or? Yeah. So up on GitHub, I have this service called AF Spawn Service. And um, it just is a service that you pass it a component definition, and it will spawn you one, and it will attach it to the anchor you gave it. And if you don't give it an anchor, in my in my example, I just ignored the the universal purity that that Austin's talked about, and just said if you don't give me one, put it on the body. Because um, a lot of times I don't really care. Like on modals, I don't really care about the anchor. I just need to know. I, I, I just just put the modal on the body because modals don't really need to anchor to anything specifically most of the time. 
But like popovers and tooltips, those things definitely need an anchor because like if I hover over someone's name, I can't have the tooltip appear in the top left, right? Like it needs to appear right there at the thing that I just hovered, right? So, um, so yeah, like, yeah. So the inner workings, the whole conversation we've been having about resolving components and everything else, you've basically internalized all of that into a service and you basically say, hey, give me one of these things and put it here, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, there's, there's, some, there's some stuff I put in it. There's, there's, there's more than one way you could implement it. But um, sometimes you need, to, you need to say, hey, give me one of these things. And that thing might have inputs and outputs, though. So um, what I have it do is I say, hey, give me one of these things. And then it will give you back an observable that you can then pipe your input data into. You can say, hey, um, push this down in there through this observable. Push in there, like emit an object that has key value pairs. And if it can find an input with that key, it'll push the, that value onto the key. So. It uses kind of an observable stream to allow you to push new values in and um, as well as get your outputs called back. Or if you need to update your outputs as well, you would push them through that through that observable. If that makes right, sense. So does, it does. So does that also then tie into change detection uh, internally? Yeah, so if you emit a new thing into that observable, yeah, then the change detection works and it, it fires the update on the, on the component. And on that repo... And, and we'll share it in the in the in the links on that repo. There's actually an example of that working with the change detection and everything. So I haven't sat down and made this um, like an npm module that you could install into your service and depend on. It's something I need to do, but for now, it's just a, it's just a repo with an example that you can you can copy into your own thing. But yeah, at least. The heavy lifting of how in the hell do I do this is is done because when I sat down and said this stuff I know I know how to do this in Angular's S and I'm I'm a wizard at it. When I sat down to do this in Angular, um, it wasn't easy, and there wasn't a lot of good documentation. And had I not been sitting with a wizard named Justin who had who had done the exact same thing on his own earlier, um, I, don't, I don't think I would have been able to get it done on time um, for, for me needing to show it at NG Cruise. But, but yeah, it got done, and it, and it actually works well, and it's a pattern that I think people should be using. Um, a, lot, a lot of the symptoms I've seen in the past where I knew I needed to do something like this, when I, we, we would measure in DevTools that when you change routes, it took longer to tear down the old route than to build a new one. And I know that that's not a good comparison because sometimes the new view is small, so of course it's going to take less time to build a new one than it was to tear down the old one. But sometimes it was tear like it had to tear down, you know, hundreds of tooltips that never ever are getting used, and it was like bloody hell. Why are we making the tooltips then? Like let's stop doing that until they're actually needed. And so um, the way we did tooltips was different. And the way I would recommend doing tooltips is different than the way I would recommend doing popovers or modals and stuff. But, but yeah, the idea is kind of the same idea, though, right? Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of hidden stuff there that that 
you you touch on that you have to think about when you're going like it's not just about putting this component in this slot and showing it right i mean the inputs and outputs are a great one that you alluded to of this concept of, okay i i'm you know if i'm building that in line then i have access to everything around it i can flow things in and pop things out of it and sort of things but now i have to dynamically do that so now it's like great i've got a way to render a component and throw it through this pipeline and and put it in the view and sort of thing but how do I interact with it, you know, through that process yeah. and, and and flowing that all through and then creating the API and thinking about how are users going to use that, I you know, in an ideal manner and, and and maybe fit something that's similar to what they're already doing. Like you talk about inputs and outputs so something we're already used to on our components and child components. And now you provide that same type of API when you're crafting. Yeah. And you have to and, and you have to be responsible when you're doing something like this, because when you create your own component, um, when, when the component that it was created from gets destroyed for whatever reason, you have to make sure you're cleaning up the ones that you spawned. Because if you don't clean those up, uh, you just leak the memory and you have, you've got, uh, events, listeners on the DOM, on things that you don't even have pointers to anymore. And so you just leak memory. And so you suck at life. So you have to be, you have to be more responsible this way, right? But um, I don't think that's bad to say to a developer, you need to be an adult about this. Like, I think that's an okay thing to say to someone, you know? Yeah, no, it's, uh, sure. And, and, you know, you're basically feeding and saying, look, this is the same paradigm. If you build a component and you're putting it in another component, you're following these same manners. You know, you're doing this ng on destroy, this input, this output. It's, it's a similar API that you're used to. It's no big deal there. But really, the onus becomes on you now as the developer of this library of like, what do I have to support? I'm really kind of almost supporting the whole life cycle and engine workflow of, of what Angular does to a component that's rendered in line there. And now you're providing all those hooks and everything. Your you're, you're really just needing the, 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 the create and the destroy. That's really the only ones that you're now kind of a proxy for. You just need it. You're creating it. You decide when it's created. And you need to also tap it into when it needs to get destroyed, right? You, there's not, you're not like needing all the life cycle hooks. But you, you uh, did solve the change detection part, so you needed that, right? I mean, you yeah, you solve that problem. Yeah, but if you need to push new data into that, then yeah, um, I gave you a way to do that. And again, the way I did it was within a observable. You could do it another way, it, it, and it would be totally fine. Like, again, it's not canonized. This is simply one example, right? And, and, I kind of wanted to go into what you just said, Justin, which is there's a lot of things to consider. Um, and then, let me give you an example. If I said to you, don't make the tooltips, um, do those on the fly. Well, at that point, you're removing your tooltip from the DOM, and instead, you're going to have to add a hover listener, right? Well, now you just put, you just removed a thousand components and added a thousand hover listeners. So, you all, you still suck at life, you know? Um, you didn't optimize anything. And so the way I would recommend doing a tooltip is just add one um, global hover listener um, for, because tooltips is an example that really is more specific to the web, right? It, that, that, that has nothing to do with server-side rendering, right? So, um, so you're going to want to do like a global event listener, and you're going to delegate it down to those things that have tooltips on them. 
And then when that thing gets hovered, go ahead and compile that on the fly and, and get that get that in there and 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 make your tooltip then. But you don't want to replace a thousand components that are NGF'd off with a thousand um, hover listeners. Like the, there's no benefit there. You, all you did was add complexity with zero gain. But if you can replace all of that with just one listener that will compile tooltips on the fly, well, I think you earned your pay that day. Um, so, so yeah. And that's the, that's the remember, you keep on saying uh, compiled on the fly. And since it's still going to be AOT compatible uh, by being able to provide an entry component, it's actually not compiling it on the fly. It's just uh, rendering it on the fly. Sure, my bad. I'm, no, no, I'm it's all good. All I just right vernacular. Clear. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not using all the right vernacular. Um, but yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're, you're totally right, Justin. And, I, and you could make one that you wanted to compile random DOM strings. I don't think you should do that, though, personally. I, that's what I like about Angular's, Angular's implementation better is you have to specify the component that you want. Whereas in AngularJS, we were all just lazy and we're like, I'm not going to make this thing into a component. I'm just going to keep passing it around as a random DOM string. You know what I'm saying? Whereas you should have formalized it and made it a component like like Angular forces you to. So I, I, that's what I like about the implementation we have is it forces you to make it into a component, which is important. So yeah, we I had a show not too long ago talking about um, a, a similar concept and one of his use cases for automatic component like compilation like this and like creating components from DOM strings was if I have like, say I have like a plugin framework where people can, you know, upload, you know, different plugins and they're stored on my server and on my server all I have is HTML and now I need to like turn this thing, this string into a component on the fly. And so that was one of the use cases, really only the really the only use case that I can think of where you want to do something like that as well. Where you're going to need to ship the compiler, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, we all work at different companies. Everyone listening to this works at a different company, and every company has different needs. So I built mine for needs that are predictable to me. Someone's going to have other needs that I can't predict, and they might need to do a random DOM string implementation of the same thing. No one's gonna finger-wag them for needing that because you know you need what you need and you got to do it. So build what you need, and and my implementation just doesn't support that. But that doesn't mean I'm I'm finger-wagging someone else for needing it because you should you avoid you need. it. Though. You should avoid it if you absolutely can. So, yeah, totally, totally. You should avoid it. Um, as but I at was, the same was, time. Sorry, go ahead. No, you haven't published it. What you've given is a roadmap of this is how you can do it. Now, you, you said you have uh, aspirations of actually publishing it as a way of doing it, but at the same time, it's open source, so people can take a look at it and manipulate yeah. it as they need, but it's a good starting point. Yeah. So in the talk, um, I gave a lot of my examples in Angular because AngularJS is slower pattern is super, super effective for people who have big AngularJS apps, which this show and really all shows still work in AngularJS. And even if they don't write this, they still maintain AngularJS because it's been around for six years and most of the Angular apps currently are AngularJS. So 
a lot of my examples are AngularJS, and I have I have a kind of a sibling repo next to this AF spawn service that shows how to do it in AngularJS. And AngularJS is where we've had a lot more performance needs and to focus on. And one because we have more of it, but two just because it's slower. Uh, and so this is I've really implemented this heavily. Uh, my example in AngularJS, I on a gigantic app, and it works very, very well, and it doesn't leak memory, and it's the way you should do components in AngularJS on things that are inside of collections. Um, yeah, simply change detection is just more expensive in AngularJS, and every piece of efficiency that you can get out of a collection, you need to do. And, and I realize that you're kind of walking away from some of the niceties of Angular, but sometimes you have to walk away from the niceties to get performance back. And there's nothing wrong with it. I wrote a, I wrote a blog article a few years ago called Jailbreaking Angular, and it was about being brave enough to walk outside of the Angular framework and do things to get performance out of it. And so this, this kind of follows that same paradigm, just you, sometimes you need to jailbreak it um, to, to get it. Because I, I needed to jailbreak it because I needed to do a drag and drop. And imagine doing drag and drop in AngularJS and trying to keep, as you're moving the thing that's getting dragged and you're trying to, you're trying to put the drop zone where it's going to get dropped. Imagine trying to get 60 frames a second in AngularJS on that stuff. Like, it just wasn't happening. And so I was like, jailbreak it. Do it outside of Angular. It's totally fine to do that. And this components of the service kind of follows that same thing. You need to, you don't want to put all those components in your markup because they're rarely used, then don't. Um, use this service to, to create these and, 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 and make them Angular still. Though. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's all, it's all in Angular performance. None of this should happen on small sample demo apps that students are writing in school, that we're writing for ourselves. These are, these are for these are enterprise, this is an enterprise suggestion, an enterprise um, solution that I'm recommending, so, so yeah. And it is, more effective in AngularJS than is in Angular. Um, Angular needs it less than AngularJS does. But if you if if you're about to start a venture, and your app in Angular is going to be around for five years, which best of luck to your company, and hopefully you are around in five years. It sh you should expect it to be around in five years. Then you need to follow these principles today before it gets unwieldy. So yeah. Yeah, these are and, these are absolutely things that people need to be thinking about, right, and have on their mind, and and be ready to do these trade-offs, right? Because I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you talk about jailbreaking and and going outside Angular or, or making these decisions to go down this path or that path. You're really just going. I, I'm trading off. You know, I know I'm doing that, but I have this thing I need to accomplish, and it's important, and it's a little more important than the trade-off that I'm making. Um, yeah. But then also being cognizant of the fact that these things are going to happen and going to exist in this world as you build out this more complex app in, in Angular, um, as we saw in AngularJS. And so you're, you need to be prepared that to hit these walls and to figure out how you want to approach that from a business standpoint and then also from an architecture standpoint. And, and, and on, uh, sorry, go ahead. You keep on stepping on each other's toes. Um, no, the uh, the idea of when you want to do this and the patterns to recognize of when this is a good idea. I liked in your talk how you went into not just, hey, this is a solution to a problem, but this is how to recognize the problem as well. Yeah. I've kind of touched on some of those in here. Like, if your views takes longer to tear down than, to, than it takes to set up the new one, 
then that means you're tearing down entirely too much crap. See if you can't get rid of it. Like, it just doesn't make sense to have bad performance because of teardown. Like, that's just that's silly to me. And imagine if tearing it down took that much time. How much time did it take to set it up? Like, so that's not good either. And so uh, it just I feel like. I feel like when I read stories about like John Carmack back in the day when he was writing Doom and like figuring out how to make computers render engines do do things efficiently, like for him every flop was a consideration. And for for JavaScript developers, we're just like, we don't give a shit. Just make a hundred of these things that are never gonna be displayed. And 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 we have the luxury to not have to care as much as John Carmack did. But sometimes you need to. And, and that was what I was about to say, Justin, is um, number one, before any of these considerations can be made, you have to care. You have to care if, if you got 60 frames per second. And if you don't care, then this, this Hangout that we're doing right now doesn't really matter to you, you know? And um, if, if you don't care because you feel like it's not your job to care, um, I think you need to you need to challenge whatever ceiling you think is over your head. I, I don't really think that that ceiling exists. You need to challenge that one. You know, like, try and check it because it, it's not there. You need to break through the ceiling of performing a performance. I don't care if you're a junior developer or a principal engineer. You, this is, you, you own this. And so you need to be looking at these things. Yeah, Aaron, I, I totally agree about your caring point there. Um, it's super important, I think, that you know, not only for, I mean, it's also the discussion of it, right? When you go and you're on a team and you say, look, look, we need to be thinking about this stuff. We need to, when we architect our components and start saying, oh, well, it's easy to make components. We make a billion, gazillion components and let's just keep doing it. It makes us contain these things and it's easy to think about it and stuff like that. Well, what are we paying to do that? And, and you know, let's, let's be serious. Like it's not just a little bit of bites here and there. It adds up and it all plays out when it, when it loads, when it pre-builds it, when it tears it down, all this stuff are factors. And once you start caring about those pieces, you start being able to vision what's actually happening and the prices that you're paying. And now you can make better sound decisions about solving those challenges and, and ultimately making a, a better app. Yeah. Um, I kind of, you, you, you reminded me of something that Brokey just said, and I want to touch on it. Um, there's other things you can do to get some of the performance back in your app. This isn't the only thing. Um, a huge one, a huge one is lazy loading, okay? Um, lazy loading will improve your time to first meaningful paint. It'll get it down because, because it can't call the bootstrap call, like bootstrap can't fire, right? Until all the JavaScript's been parsed into memory. So as much of that as you can cut out, your apps just your your time to first meaningful paint is just gonna improve, right? So that's that's a huge one. Um, so lazy loading is big for that, but lazy loading is also good um, for, and and a lot of us won't see this. A lot of us developers because we develop on nice Windows machines or a MacBook Pro, right? And we've got at least eight gigs, probably sixteen gigs of RAM. So a lot of us aren't really gonna see um, how much when you lazy load the amount of memory pressure that gets relieved because we got so much memory that relieving the pressure of a couple megs of JavaScript we're not even gonna notice. But when you are when your customers use an IE 
um, you know, they're going to notice, dude. I promise they will notice the relief of the memory pressure from, from lazy loading. If they can parse half as much JavaScript in, in order to do a first meaningful paint on a non-Chrome machine, on, a, on an IE machine or on a, on a slow old Windows machine on IE, they will notice, I guarantee you. And so um, some of the times as developers, we're not going to run into some of the ceilings that our users are. And so, um, yeah, there's things like lazy loading as well that can help. And there's other, other considerations like getting serious about um, memory leak hunting and just getting in there and be like, I am going to find all the memory leaks and I am going to fix all of them. Because, um, yeah, they, they exist. And so, um, so yeah, there, there's more than, than just this, but this is one big thing that I used and I decided to give a talk about it and to write a library for it. So. So yeah, it's not the end all solution, but it's a, it's a very important solution. So yeah, it's a th it's a thoughtful solution. Yeah. Hey, do you have something you can show? You want to pull something up real quick? Yeah. Can I um can I show you this? I'm on my work laptop right now, so I don't have it running. But can I show you guys this repo? Absolutely. Is that cool? Okay. So let me share my screen real quick. Screen share. All right. Let's share this guy. All right, so um, this spawn service is an example of how to do this in Angular. So it's a simple little ng CLI app, and if you come into the source, you've got an index.html, and there's not a lot of code in here. So let me show you this um, AF spawn service. Can you bump the font up a bit on that too? Please. Sorry. Yep. Let me do that. One Thank second. You. That better? Yes. Okay. Cool. Thanks. So the service um, you, that you would inject into anywhere where you want to use it, you just call service.create component. Okay. And what you pass to it is you give it the type of the thing you want it to make. Okay. So I'm not going to make you. I. It's it's any for me, but whatever type you give me. That's the type I'm going to make. Um, I also optionally let you give me a view container, which is an anchor to attach it to. And then I also let you pass in a context, which is just an, an object of key value pairs where the keys represent the names of the inputs or outputs. Okay? And that's optional as well. You don't have to pass that in either. And um, so when you call this, the most simple example is you're going to call create component and just give it the type. All right, and what that's going to do is it's going to go ahead and it's going to get the factory for this component. And if you gave me, if you gave me a view container, I'll go ahead and use the view container to create to create the component. Otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and um, I'm going to use the factory to create it using the injector that this server has access to. And then I'm going to take the app ref, and I'm going to attach the view that I just created. Anyway, it's a little bit more intense. And then I go ahead and just append it to the body. Um, at that point, I wire up the outputs. So anything that you passed in, I go ahead and I wire up the outputs. And I make sure, and I create an observable that I can then pass back to you so that you can then emit values into. Um, so that's kind of the implementation of this thing. And then I go ahead and I, I return a D 
detach function and a next function. So you can call dot next on this observable to pipe new data into it. So this is the this is the service. Let me go ahead and show you how you use it. Is that okay? Yeah, please do. All right. So if you come into this component, um, he goes ahead and he injects um, this spawn service, right? He, he, he requests to be injected. And then inside of his view, let me pull up his view real quick. Um, he's got this show another thing method, okay? So whenever you show another thing, that's gonna, this is the function that's gonna, the click on that is what's gonna call the spawn service. So let's go back in and, hold on one second. See this dummy outlet? I'm using this, what's this called, template reference variable? Yep. Okay, so I referenced this dummy outlet and this is what I want it to, anytime you click on this thing, I want the spawn service to make something and put it in this dummy outlet. So let me go ahead and show you the code for that. So go back into the component. And down here, when I say show another thing, I take the context, which is the title that I want it to, I want it to have, and I want it to have an on-click event um, that just does some sort of a console log. And at that point, I say sponsors.createComponent, and I pass it in my app dummy component, which is, it's, it is just a really dumb component. And then um, I don't pass it a view container. I could pass it that template reference variable, but I didn't. And then I pass it in that context that I made, which is, which is one input and one output. And then it gives me back this spawn reference, okay? And then just to, just to show that the, the, that the, uh, that the data binding is working inside this set interval. I update the title in the context, and I call spawn reference next to pump new data down into it. And if you guys, if you check this out, you'll see that it every every 100 milliseconds, it's updating, um, it's updating the title with a new string. So, so yeah, that, and and that's kind of what it's for. And the other method that you're not seeing in here is on this spawn reference. If I call spawn ref detach, that will go ahead, and that's that's what kind of cleans up after the component that you just created. So again, this is this is a very simple example with just two components, one that creates that spawns the other one. You would it's how you would you would implement this in a larger app and on a large scale. That makes sense. So um, if anyone wants to use this or has any questions, they can reach out to me. Um, and I'll, I'm willing to try and answer any questions that, that you have. Um, also, if you've got, if you want to like PR this or fork it and and and, and deploy it to npm, um, not offended, I would totally be down with that. So, so um, feel free to to reach out with that as well. Anyway, I'm gonna stop sharing somehow. Did I lose all you guys? Are you guys all on Twitter now? <laughs> no, no. Brokey's on Twitter. Yeah. No uh, comment. So it'll be interesting to see how this uh, plays out with if you're able to use the um, component uh, dev kit that from Angular Material to like plug in some of that plumbing that you had in there and yeah. just some of that. I don't know. I mean, it's you got it pretty down 
pretty concise, so it might not pretty be concise and bring that to the library in to do it. But. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that it's pretty concise in there, and obviously that's thanks to your help. Um, a huge tip of the hat to you, man. Um, I also want to take a second to do a tip of the hat to my friend. His name's Tyler Russell, and I work with him. I worked with him for um, somewhere around six or seven years now, and he's been a, an insane mentor. And a lot of these ideas um, were were sparked by him. And once he sparked the idea, I just embraced it and have run with it a lot ever since. So Tyler Russell, uh, a freaking legend in my mind. And so I just wanted to shout out to you and to Tyler for and Brokey. Brokey all obviously was there with us as we built this as well. So huge, huge tip of the hat to you three. So thanks guys. I was just the human caffeine. Keeping everybody <laughs> awake. That was a late night. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. All right, well we've got to wrap this thing up. We're getting to the top of the hour. Got to get into our picks and stuff. So okay. uh, Unless anybody on the panel has any other last questions, anything? We're all good? All right. I feel like Austin was just trying to trick me at first, and then I I don't know if I fell for his tricks that he hasn't tried to trick me anymore. <laughs> no. I, I've actually built one of these as well. Okay. So I knew the pitfalls, so I, I wanted to hear how you did it and okay. collaborate with you. Yeah. Okay. To everyone, with everyone. <laughs> Austin and Mike help us extract content out of our guests. So they're prepping you with questions and stuff to help you talking. So that's good. Get some good points there. All right, let's get into picks. Mike, what do you got? Uh, I'll make sure I'm not going to. I have a few things. Uh, First one, uh, to learn more about this, uh, it's in the playlist for the NG Cruise videos. The link for that playlist for all those talks are up and online on YouTube. Um, and to carry the video theme forward, also the uh, videos from Angular Contributor Days that was right after NGConf are also up. Um, so a lot of content there. Uh, feel free to go out and watch those. Some pretty interesting discussions, uh, especially revolving around the community. And also new version of Visual Studio Code dropped. Uh, 1.14 is out. So enjoy that. Uh, some of those are new features. It dropped or does it have anything cool? Oh, there's, I, I didn't look through the full change log yet. It's got stuff. Your yeah, first one on the list, integrated terminal improvements. Uh, also, a new diff pane, too. I, I remember uh, I'm using the insider's build, so I've had these features or fe- some of these features for a little bit. Uh, the new diff uh, pane is actually kind of nice um, that it'll give you a little bit more information about what branches you're merging uh, with conflicts. Very nice feature. Awesome. Austin, what do you got? Yeah, a couple things. Um, there's a new HTTP module coming, and everyone should be really excited about this. This is in 4.3.0.RC0. It's going to give us, we no longer have to say everything is JSON because, duh, it's kind of JSON unless you work on a crappy app. Sorry. Um, and it has interceptors, which is a big feature that I really liked in AngularJS. So I'm really excited to see that feature come. And then the other one, uh, Material 2, a new version dropped last week, and it has a data table in it. Everyone should be 
It's super excited about that. It's their first cut of the data table. It doesn't have virtualization and things like that yet, but those are on the roadmap. That's it for me. Very nice, very nice. All right, I have three picks. My first one is Dev Doodles by um, Yuna Kravitz, and she's got this Instagram that she has for uh, Dev underscore Doodles, D-O-O-D-L-E-S where she has these doodles that explain concepts in these little graphical pictures that she's drawing. It's pretty awesome. And uh, more Yuna, she's got a podcast called Tools Day. Uh, that's pretty cool. Talks about dev tools and things like that. Tools Day, T-O-O-L-S-D-A-Y dot I-O. And then my last one is The Defiant Ones on HBO. It's a series, there's a four part series right now. It's talking about um, Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. I binge watched that last night, so I'm a little tired this morning, but uh, that was pretty dope. So those are my picks. Aaron, why don't you close it out for us? What do you got? I think you're muted. My bad. So I got I got two picks. Um, I was trying to be polite, man, and mute myself. Um, so. Uh, hopefully, a lot of the readers or listeners are also readers. Um, there's a there's an incredible book series called The Iron Druid Chronicles, and it's so much fun. It's ridiculous. Well, the author today actually, he just released a new book in the series, and um, so everyone needs to go get the book because I already started reading it. I, I was up at midnight when it dropped, and it's it's just more epicness. Um, anyway, go check it out. It's called Besieged from the Iron Druid Chronicles. Author Kevin Hearn uh, on Audible. The narrator is 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 beyond fantastic. So you need to if you're if you're on Audible, you definitely need to do the entire Iron Druid series. So okay, uh, next pick is we kind of talked about it before the show started. Um, Rob Wormald, who I mean we all love, right? Generally, it's safe to say. Yeah, everyone loves Rob. Okay. So Rob Wormall, who everyone loves, obviously, he has got some ideas floating around, and they're usually epic, I mean, in my experience. And among that, he's got a late one that's epic called Angular Elements. And it's the idea that um, you write your, your Angular component like you do, right? Like you already do. I mean, everyone writing Angular is writing Angular components. And... It's a very lightweight wrapper that will make your Angular component a custom web element. And at that point, once it's a custom web element, it interacts seamlessly with everything. It interacts seamlessly with jQuery, with React, with Preact, with AngularJS, with Vue, because it's just a DOM element at that point. Once you've made it a custom element, it's not an Angular thing anymore. You've You've made it a native DOM thing. And so he's got this really cool repo called um, Angular Elements, and you need to go check it out. Um, I've, got the, I've got the link will be in the uh, – is that true? Yeah, when we have a home for putting the show notes up. <laughs> okay, well, it'll at least be in the comment section on the YouTube video, yeah? Yeah, we can tweet it out too. Okay, all right, so it's just on Rob Wormald's GitHub in case you want it. It's called Angular Elements, but go check it out. I hope that this is the future of what Angular looks like. 
And I would love one of these for Angular JS as well, so that for all of us upgrading from Angular JS to Angular or Angular JS to React or Angular JS to whatever, right? It'd be nice to have one of these wrappers for that kind of stuff. So I'm hoping this is what the future of Angular looks like. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Aaron, thanks a ton for coming on the show, coming back, um, getting my time with you. That's awesome. Uh, really love this component of the service concept and where you've taken it and uh, tons of potential there. I think that we got a lot of people talking on the YouTube's comments in the chat about the need for this and the enterprise level and stuff like that. So super useful. Um, thanks for sharing your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. Yep. Anytime. All right. Catch everybody next week. Later. Peace.